Welcome to the David Glenn Show. Hope your afternoon is off to a fantastic start. We have some fun in store for you today, including, of course, the National Football League. Week 14 action actually begins tonight. It is the 6-6 six and six Dallas Cowboys at the 6-6 six and six Chicago Bears. Thursday night football style. Although they have the same records, the Cowboys are actually really well positioned for a trip to the postseason. The Bears are a long, long shot for a wild card. Of course, Dallas leads that middling to bad NFC East. And if you win your division, you're automatically in. The Bears, in a tougher division, need to seek a wild card and are basically all but mathematically eliminated. Dak Prescott and the boys visiting former UNC star Mitch Trubisky and Dub Bears. A lot of ACC Big Ten challenge to discuss as well. The two best teams in the ACC, as we and others described them, Duke and Louisville in whichever order you prefer, took huge steps forward on Tuesday night. Number one, Louisville absolutely smothered number four, Michigan. Cardinals, the best combination of offense and defense in the ACC and maybe the country at this relatively early stage of the season. Number 10, Duke two nights ago, embarrassed number 11, Michigan State on Draymond Green night right there at the Breslin Center in East Lansing. The two other ACC teams that were highest in the preseason forecasts and are currently in the national top 10 of the polls. The two we warned you at accsports.com and here at the David Glenn Show would have nights where their lessened firepower would be exploited given what they lost to graduation in the NBA. Those two, Carolina and UVA, took big steps backward last night. It was Ohio State staying undefeated and just annihilating North Carolina 74 to 49. Rarely will you see a more offensively challenged team under Roy Williams than what was on display at the Smith Center last night. Meanwhile, number five, Virginia, scored only 40 points and was annihilated by an unranked Purdue team. That final was 69 to 40. The Tar Heels lost by uh, 25. The Cavaliers lost by 29. And those are two of the top 10 teams in the national polls. More on those details with your questions, comments, and observations. NC State got a nice win over Wisconsin. The Badgers are not currently viewed as an NCAA tournament team this year, but that is the Wolfpack's best win of the season so far. So shout out to Coach Kevin Keats, who I think has another NCAA tournament team on his hands. Also, sophomore forward Jericho Hellums. Nice player last year, really versatile defender, maybe five points per game offensively. What a night for that young man. He is a new and improved version of himself. 23 points, four rebounds, a steal, a block, four out of six threes, eight for 13 from the field. That guy showed up knowing how to play defense and being a glue guy. That was a different version of a player that on a team with other offensive weapons appears to have added his name to that list. It's a nice, solid eight-man rotation for Kevin Keats. I think there's six different dudes the way Helms has come along. We know about Markel Johnson, of course. We know about DJ Funderburk in the post. 
And we've seen other guys, Braxton Beverly, Devin Daniels, etc. C.J. Bryce has been a fantastic player for the pack since transferring from UNC Wilmington. There are six different dudes that could leave, lead the Wolfpack in scoring on a given night. That is a really good sign because if you look at a roster like Tony Bennett has at UVA right now, it is Mamadi Diakite and maybe the big man from Durham, Jay Huff, and maybe the defensively oriented point guard, Kihei Clark. And then you don't know where your buckets are coming from, especially with Braxton Key injured. Similarly, Roy Williams with the Tar Heels. Yes, you have all-American caliber point guard uh, Cole Anthony. Yes, you have a reliable veteran forward in Garrison Brooks. But last night, for example, the freshman center Armando Baycott injured early really one of only three standouts on that roster, at least as we speak. With the Tar Heels missing Baycott down low, they really were searching for any road to quality buckets against the Buckeyes. NC State doesn't have that problem. they got to get better defensively if they want to get where they want to go. More on those matchups, good and bad. Wake Forest took it on the chin at Penn State, but Duke and NC State stepped forward. A lot to celebrate. Carolina and Wake Forest truly embarrassed, I think, is the right phrase in both of those cases. The Big Ten won the challenge, 8-6. to six. Not many people care about that part. The ACC has won more over the years. There have been ties. There have been losses. This one goes to the Big Ten. There's much more going on in the sports world, of course, including college football. Is there a team currently slotted among the seven realistic contenders in the college football playoff? Is there a team that the committee actually would like to keep out of the playoff? Now, you all know Dabo Sweeney has a conspiracy theory right now. Paul Feinbaum just got Utah fans all riled up because he says nobody in America wants to watch Utah play in a national semifinal. And, of course, the Utes have maybe, maybe a road. If they beat Oregon, they will improve their chances by a lot. But there's still a question about whether a Georgia or an Oklahoma or Baylor or maybe Utah will be in that fourth and final slot given the events of conference championship week. My answer to the question is not that I believe in conspiracy theories. I don't agree with Dabo's. I understand Feinbaum's point, but I don't believe committee members will sacrifice their integrity just to please TV executives and keep Utah out if they have the most deserving resume. But I do believe there's a team that the committee would like to keep out, not by conspiratorial purposes, but for other reasons that I will elaborate on, it is not a conspiracy theory. Sometimes you just want to keep people out because you want to see teams approach their seasons a certain way and be rewarded for those approaches, right or wrong. More on that in a little bit. Louisville's Scott Satterfield, formerly of Appalachian State University, has been named the ACC Coach of the Year in a very close vote. Three different guys got more than a dozen votes. I did not vote for Scott Satterfield. Why I cast my ballot for someone else among several deserving candidates. And yes, Coach Sat was one of those several. So congratulations and a hat tip to him. A surprise 7-5 and five season with the Louisville Cardinals, who remember were picked to finish dead last in the conference standings, but are headed to a bowl game instead. There's more going on even beyond the NFL, college football, and college basketball. We're headed to the Canes game tonight. They are still in Eastern Conference playoff position as we speak after 28 games, but they are not at all in a comfortable 
comfortable position. They host the San Jose Sharks tonight, a good, not great team. I will see you there at PNC Arena, bringing some friends to that one. More on that in a little bit. The Minnesota Wild visit PNC on Saturday. That's Eric Stahl and company. Of course, Darren and I will be in the Queen City of Charlotte on Saturday, so we will not be there at PNC as the Canes try to get back on a roll after a good game, a tough one up at Boston, but a loss to the Bruins 2-0 a couple of nights ago. Jim Zoki is going to drop by on all things NFL and Panthers. Washington and your Carolina Panthers, of course, already have fired their head coaches this season. Who may be next for the Panthers and who may be next in the firing line? Dan Quinn of Atlanta is the Panthers' opponent this week. And a lot of folks believe that he, after four years of basically 500-level football, about as many wins as losses, they believe he's on his way out. Jason Garrett in Dallas has a Super Bowl or bust kind of assignment from the owner, Jerry Jones. Doug Marone in Jacksonville, Pat Shermer with the New York Giants, maybe a Freddie Kitchens only in year one with Cleveland, maybe if Matt Patricia in only year two with Detroit. Who knows if we'll have another really, really bloody Black Monday. We'll see. Interesting questions, though. Would any of those other franchises consider that Ron Rivera guy if and when they have vacancies? Almost everybody I know in the NFL says Ron Rivera will be leading an NFL team come 2020. It's just a matter of which one. And who might be on David Tepper's watch list as the Panthers owner directs the coaching search for Ron Rivera's replacement himself. If you are a diehard NFL fan, you may know Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy. You may know Vikings offensive coordinator Kevin Stefanski. You, of course, know Josh McDaniels of the Patriots. You may know Greg Roman of the Ravens doing great things with uh, Lamar Jackson and Baltimore right now after other success stories at San Francisco and elsewhere. We'll talk coaching carousel, and we'll talk about an NFL Week 14 that begins with Dallas at Chicago tonight. But also, remember, includes Baltimore at a 9-3 and Buffalo team that plays really good defense for Sean McDermott. San Francisco visits New Orleans. Kansas City visits New England. Seattle visits the Rams on Sunday night football. And then you have Eli Manning getting the start for the New York Giants in all likelihood against the Philadelphia Eagles. That game, not all that important for national purposes or playoff purposes, but Eli Manning may get that farewell tour after all. There's actually stuff going on in NASCAR. There's a new business model that took shape with an announcement earlier today. Golf, a great field in the Bahamas that includes Tiger Woods. And remember, the President's Cup, the international match play event, U.S. versus the world, it actually begins one week from today. And some of those participants, of course, are competing in the Bahamas as we speak. Major League Free Agency is crank Major League Baseball Free Agency is cranking out new signees left and right, including for teams that we know and follow. We'll get to as many of these sports as we can. We'll get to as many of your calls as we can. College hoops, NFL, college football leading the way for me today. We'll get to some hockey, some NBA, some baseball, some golf, some soccer as well. Why I cast my ballot for someone named, not, not named Scott Satterfield of Louisville, and the college football playoff committee story. Some are upset in App State country that the Mountaineers essentially, if you look at the numbers and the rankings, have no road to the New Year's Six Bowl game. Now, maybe they get another Sun Belt title. They host Louisiana this weekend at Kid Brewer Stadium. But it looks like the committee simply 
has not left them a road to what would be, of course, the biggest bowl in Mountaineers history, of course, at the FBS level after their famous success for many years at the FCS level. And why I believe there is a team that the committee would rather not end up in the Final Four. It is one of the seven that I would describe as realistic candidates at least having a road to the Final Four as we enter conference championship games. Remember, starting tomorrow night with number 5 Utah against number 13 Oregon for the Pac-12 championship game. The Ducks are not a candidate, but the Utes are. You know, you have the three unbeatens, obviously, Ohio State, LSU, and Clemson. And then you have the four prominent one-loss resumes. Those are the seven candidates. I don't believe Dabo's conspiracy theories, oh, they're going to look for every reason to keep Georgia in and every reason to keep the Clemson Tigers out. I don't believe Paul Feinbaum's implication that committee members would leave Utah out because America doesn't want to watch the Utes. I'm just not that much of a conspiracy theorist unless I see evidence to back it up, and most conspiracy theories are ridiculous in my eyes. I do believe, though, that one of those seven teams is one the committee would prefer to fall short. There's a very specific reason for it, though, and it is not related to any kind of uh, un back, back, uh, back room kind of arm-twisting or satisfying TV executives or any other nefarious motives. It comes down to something else entirely. I will offer my theory and welcome yours, 1-800-849-2761. If you're excited about the Devils or the Pack's win, Jump on in with your question or comment. If you're concerned about the heels or the Deeks lost, jump on in with your question or comment on college basketball. I'm excited about seeing the Canes play tonight. I'm excited about watching some quality golf over the next few days. That sport has been in season for a little while, but not with the kind of field you have right there in the Bahamas as we speak. Tiger Woods, Justin Thomas, Ricky Fowler, Tony Finau, Jordan Spieth, Webb Simpson, Bryson DeChambeau, and other top Americans, plus internationals, including John Rahm, Justin Rose, and Henrik Stenson. More on all of these headlines with your phone calls, questions, and comments. Two great guests later, Jim Zoki on the NFL and the Panthers, Eric McLean of the ACC Network, former Clemson Tigers team captain and all-ACC selection on the offensive line. Eric will drop by to talk about the ACC title game, ACC awards and his former coach Dabo Sweeney with his public pleas for more respect for those 12 and 0 Clemson Tigers. Two great guests later, your phone calls welcome now 1-800-849-2761. Darren Vaught is the producer of this program. Intern Sam, representing the University of North Carolina, will be the first voice you hear if you dial 1-800-849-2761. We do have as we gave you David Tepper in his own words yesterday, Ron Rivera in his own words yesterday. We have, among others, Roy Williams of the Tar Heels in his own words after the drubbing his heels took at the hands of undefeated and number six Ohio State at the Smith Center last night. Questions, comments, complaints, all fair game? 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket in to the David Glenn Show throwback Justice League. You know, Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman, Aquaman. If there was a combine event where you had to talk to marine life, Aquaman is your guy. Zay Jones is dominating the three-cone drill. Aquaman is dominating the talk-to-porpoises drill. This is the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Some want to celebrate Duke or NC State. 
for other teams with big wins in the ACC Big Ten Basketball Challenge. Others want to talk about the past. Ron Rivera out or the future who might be next for David Tepper's Carolina Panthers. We have a great menu of weak football NFL action. Dallas at Chicago maybe doesn't fit the great description, but a whole bunch of games on Sunday fit it to me. College football offers conference championship week. Scott Satterfield's been named the, the uh, ACC head coach of the year, first year head coach of the Louisville Cardinals. It was a close vote. I'll tell you why my ballot went for somebody else. Question, is there a team currently slotted among the seven realistic contenders for the college football playoff? In these latest committee rankings, top seven, remember, is there a team among those seven that the committee actually would like to keep out of the playoff? And if so, is it because of a Dabo Sweeney-type conspiracy theory? Oh, they're looking for reasons to keep Georgia in, but they're looking re for reasons to keep the Clemson Tigers out. Is it for a Paul Feinbaum-type conspiracy-related reason? Well, TV executives are important, and the world doesn't want to watch Utah play in the Final Four. They're more intrigued by brand names like Ohio State and Clemson and LSU, etc., I don't believe those conspiracies, but I do believe for a different reason, one of those seven teams, the committee would be happy to see on the outside looking in when it gives its final rankings this coming Sunday. As we go to John in Apex, who has the NFL coaching carousel on his mind, Joey wants to talk college football, including the Final Four. Others want to celebrate Duke or NC State basketball or criticize UNC or Wake Forest basketball. The Big Four went in two very different directions over the last couple days in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, 1-800-849-2761. I think you all know that part of the foundation of this show and frankly, Darren, if I could teach America one lesson, the founding fathers had theirs way back when, right? You know, Moses brought down the Ten Commandments even way, way back when. Everybody has their message. Here's one for me. Smart, educated people are skeptical about conspiracy theories. They don't just say it sounds interesting. They don't say it makes me feel better inside, so I'm going to believe this or not believe that. They follow the evidence. That is the crisis of America in the year 2019. If you don't have some skepticism, there could be a con man right before your eyes and you might not even be able to recognize it. Soulless, ignorant people adopt whatever theories make them feel better, regardless of whether or not there is any evidence. If you have conspiracy theories related to, in this case, because we're a sports radio show, sadly, I can't go in other directions, at least on this platform. If you have a conspiracy theory about the college football playoff mechanisms, the committee, their motives, backroom deals or whatever, I actually think it is healthy to be skeptical of powerful people, especially when big money is involved. I think that's a great idea. Be skeptical. But follow the evidence. And we now have five years of the college football playoff committee churning out the top four. And remember, whether you're five, six, seven, eight, nine, or ten, you're out. You might be going to a nice bowl game, but you're not playing for the national championship. You got to make the top four. If some of your conspiracy theories were true, or Feinbaum's theory was true, or Dabo's theory was true, wouldn't by year six we have, have some example of that? 
just to address as we come to your calls, Joey and Apex, Chris and Zebulon, John as well, 1-800-849-2761. In the first year of the college football playoff, you had Alabama, brand name, TV eyeballs, famous coach, famous players. In some of these cases, Heisman Trophy candidates. All the things TV executives would want, right? You also had a 13-0 Florida State team in that original college football playoff Final Four. Well, of course, there's no discretion there. So if you have conspiracy theories, at least focus on where there's discretion. If you're an undefeated Power Five conference champion, there's really no discretion. Maybe there'll be a scenario someday where there is, but basically, if you're in a Power Five league, you go 12-0 and and then you win your conference title game, you're in. It, we haven't seen anything close to the circumstances where that would not be the case. Now, those who like conspiracy theorists, of course you should scrutinize the closer calls right? What if it comes down to these three or four one-loss resumes? Is the committee always giving it to the SEC? Is the committee always giving it to the brand name? Well, in 2014, whereas Alabama and Florida State and Ohio State certainly are big, strong brand names and good for TV ratings, who else made it? A one-loss Oregon team. When the Pac-12, which is often involved in these conspiracy theories, had a one-loss conference champion, basically by definition, if you're a one-loss conference champion, you fall into the discretion category, right? Did the Ducks get left out? No, they got in. And the next year, Clemson and Alabama and Oklahoma were no-brainers. Did anybody really want to watch the Michigan State Spartans play another football game? I mean, really, all due respect to Sparty and Mark D'Antonio and their defense, does anybody really I, – I don't even like doing yard work. I might do yard work rather than watch Michigan State play football. That's certainly not a TV executive-driven decision. Again, follow the facts. Take it seriously. If you have a conspiracy theory – just don't be lazy. See if the evidence backs up your theory. And the evidence doesn't back up Dabo's theory. It just doesn't. Clemson is third because Clemson doesn't have any wins over top 25 opponents. And Ohio State and LSU not only have one, they have two, they have three, they have four. That's why they're third. And if they lose to UVA, they won't. But they would be left out because of not enough wins and a loss that would really crash them back to earth. Keep going with the same theory. Does anybody really go out of their way to watch the Washington Huskies? Do you know who got in as the last seed in 2016? Washington. They were 12-1. and one. The other three teams were Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State, right? Now we're in the fourth pick. It's discretion land. Mighty Penn State and mighty Oklahoma were out there among the other contenders. Did the brand name get the benefit of the doubt? No. The 12-1 conference champion, even though they're from a part of the country that doesn't bring in as many TV eyeballs, even though Washington football is nowhere near the brand of Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State, the other three finalists that year. I mean, come on, folks. Dabo, I think is screaming conspiracy just to motivate his own players and his own fan base. I, I don't really believe that he believes everything that is coming out of his mouth right now. Last year, superpower Alabama, superpower Clemson, Notre Dame was undefeated. Again, no discretion there. The Irish were going to get in. It did come down to two brand names. Oklahoma and Ohio State were among the, the con 
considerations for that fourth and final spot. There is no example. There is no example. We're only five years in, but five years of evidence suggests that nobody has gotten the short end of the stick because of their conference affiliation. Nobody has gotten the short end of the stick because TV executives were worried, Paul Feinbaum style, whether America wants to watch Utah play football or not. Of course these are big money matters. Of course the people on the committee are aware of those outside forces. But it is an attack on a committee member's per personal integrity if you really believe that rather than doing their best to identify whose body of work is most deserving of those top four spots, you are attacking their character. You're either suggesting that they're taking money in their back pocket from TV executives or some other, you know, old-haired, old white-haired dude sitting in a basement somewhere smoking cigars, playing puppet master to the college football world. If there were evidence to back up Dabo's conspiracy theory or Feinbaum's conspiracy theory, I would sign up as well. I celebrate smart, educated people who are skeptical about conspiracy theories, politics, sports, or otherwise, because they're the people that we need making more decisions in our country and in our sports world. The conspiracy theorists, not so much. 1-800-849-2761. Let me go to Joey in Apex. He has this topic on his mind, kind of, sort of. I will tell you, the one of the seven serious contenders that the committee will not at all be sad if they fall on the outside looking in. But again, it's not a conspiracy. There's a very valid reason they won't be sad if they fail to make it. I'll elaborate after Joey and Apex. Welcome to the David Glenn Show. DG, thanks for taking my call, man. Sure. Yeah, I tell you, I don't mind the whole conspiracy thing. My whole problem with the committee is, is the way it's made up. The recusals is, is, you know what, everybody's vote has a certain percentage, and when you start taking people out, then votes count for more. If, if they're that honest and it's that good of a committee, you shouldn't need recusals. It, it, uh, and for those, who do, for those who don't know, if you're affiliated with a school that's being discussed, you, you leave the room. You, you make yourself available to answer questions about that school, but you leave the room. And for those wondering, there is an active athletic director at a school in each of the five Power Five leagues that is a member of that committee. So that's five different ADs, one for each of the Power Five, in that room. There's a, a mix of retired coaches, some media members, et cetera, making up the rest of the committee. But recusal means you have to leave when the school that you're employed by, in that case, uh, is being discussed. And then and you don't vote on that. But then you come in and vote, come back in and vote on everything else. So go ahead, Joey. Yeah, it's not just that. Like Frank Beamer's son is an assistant at the University of Oklahoma and Castiglione, the ADs on there. So both of them, have, so there's two votes gone when Oklahoma's up for discussion. Yes. Now you'd rather you'd rather have no. Would you rather have a no recusal policy though? Because you got to decide one way or the other. I, I would. I would. From the standpoint of when you're voting on somebody, if it's somebody that nobody's affiliated with, the votes count for like seven point six percent each vote. But then when you take people out for like when Oklahoma goes, three people have to leave the room. There's another guy over there that's tied to Oklahoma. Then there's only then each vote counts as ten percent. Right. So it's a totally different different value per vote. It is a different uh, time, man. Go ahead. The, the, um, the team that I think that, that the, the, the committee doesn't want in, <laughs> Baylor. You are correct. Your that, only, that... Your only, your best non-conference win is UT San Antonio. They went four and six, and they fired their coach. 
if they get in, you have to schedule nobody, and you can go. Correct. That is the correct answer, and it's not a conspiracy theory, remember. And I don't know if that's your final point, Joey. Go ahead and make your final one if you'd like before I move on. Um, but but I'll follow up on your Baylor your Baylor point is well taken. Baylor, remember, is an eleven is an eleven and one football team that deserves respect. It is they are ranked in the committee committee's eyes as we speak, number seven. So the seven contenders are the obvious three unbeaten's Clemson, not in this order. It would be Ohio State number one, LSU number two, Clemson number three. The un, three unbeaten's. And then you get to the one-loss resumes. Right now, Georgia at 11-1 is fourth in the committee's eyes. Utah at 11-1 is fifth. Oklahoma at 11-1 is sixth. And Baylor at 11-1 is seventh. Now, we know that this week in championship week, four of the top seven play each other. That's fun, right? LSU goes head-to-head with Georgia for the SEC title. And Oklahoma has the rematch with Baylor for the Big 12 title. The reason I say committee members will not at all be saddened to leave Baylor out is that they want the college football world to work in conjunction with this still relatively new format in a way that motivates coaches and athletic directors to upgrade their non-conference schedules. And when you go school by school of the other seven contenders, remember Ohio State is not in the one-loss mix as we speak, so it doesn't really matter for the Buckeyes as much, but they went out of conference And by choice, remember, your league headquarters hands you the eight or nine games you must play against your fellow conference members. You get to decide the other three or four opponents. Now, some of those deals are struck many years in advance, some only a year or less in advance. But the bottom line is the committee wants to see you try. And if you're the 13-0 Power 5 champ, it might not matter if you scheduled Cupcake City. When you fall into the ranks of the one-loss resumes where most years, that's those are those, those are the resumes we end up dissecting, sometimes at number three, four, five, six, seven, or whatever. They saw that Ohio State went out and played a Cincinnati team from the American Athletic Conference. That's an in-state rival for them, but you don't have to play the Bearcats. Those Bearcats went 10 and 2 and are playing for the AAC title. And the Buckeyes not only played them, they beat them 42 to nothing. That's a non-conference 42 to nothing win over a team that is 10 and 1 against everybody else, the Cincinnati Bearcats. That is a sign. Again, Ohio State doesn't need this because it's not a one-loss resume, but that's a sign that the Buckeyes are doing things in a way the committee wants to see it done. Georgia is a one-loss resume, right? So Georgia, of course, you got to beat LSU just to stay relevant. Georgia at least has rival Georgia Tech on the schedule. Now, this is important to remember. We all know the Yellow Jackets were the worst team in the ACC this year. But Georgia played another Power 5 team in its non-conference schedule. And more importantly, Georgia went out and, and signed to play Notre Dame. So again, you didn't have to play the Fighting Irish. You chose to play the Fighting Irish. You pl- chose to play Georgia Tech. Who knew they'd be 3-9? and nine? But what was Notre Dame's record against Notre Dame's other 11 opponents? 10-1. and one. And the Georgia Bulldogs beat the Fighting Irish between the hedges. They don't want to see Baylor in because Baylor would essentially, if Baylor beats Oklahoma and enough other weird stuff happens, Baylor will be a one-loss Power 5 conference champion. And the way the rules work, if you're a conference champion, somebody else who's not a conference champion in the Power Five must be, quote, unequivocally better than your resume. 
They don't want to see Baylor rewarded, and there are hypotheticals as the dominoes fall in conference championship week that would allow Baylor to get in. When your choices in the Big 12, remember, you're handed nine games. ACC teams are handed eight games. So they get nine conference matchups. They chose to play at Rice, a bad team from a lesser conference that went three and nine. UT, UT San Antonio, a bad team from a lesser conference that went four and eight. And Stephen, S, Stephen F. Austin, not the guys who just beat Duke and Cameron Indoor Stadium, the football guys, the stone-cold stunner Stephen F. Austin. That's an FCS team that isn't even very good by FCS standards. You can't water down your non-conference schedule any more than the Baylor Bears did this year. And what do they have right now as we speak? Whereas Ohio State has four wins over teams currently in the top 25, LSU has three. Clemson doesn't have any, but if you're 13-0, it doesn't matter. Georgia's got three top 25 wins. Even Oklahoma has two teams, two wins over teams currently in the top 25. Utah, by the way, does not have any. Utah's only game so far this year against the top 25 opponent was against Southern Cal, and they lost it. So there is, even though the Utes have absolutely dominated everyone else on their way to an 11-1 record, and it is worth pointing out they were missing their star running back for most of the game as they fell to the Trojans by a touchdown a couple months ago. Baylor, Baylor has two wins over teams currently in the top 25, or, or one barely. Did Oklahoma State stay in the top 25? I think what, what, the bottom line is Baylor doesn't have a top 20 win. And they might have one top 25 win if Oklahoma State, I think, did hang in there maybe at number 25. That's, a, that's an 8-4 and four Cowboys team. That's your signature victory. And when given a chance to schedule up a little bit, just one, they don't mind if you play one FCS school and one other group of five school. They want to see you try hard at least once to schedule up beyond your conference. All these other... Seven legitimate contenders for the Final Four tried to schedule up at least a little bit, right? Clemson played Texas A&M. Now, the Aggies only turned out to be, what, seven and five, but that's an SEC opponent, and they beat them by double digits. Now, South Carolina's from the SEC. That's a rival game every year for Clemson. It's not Tiger's fault that the Gamecocks crashed to four and eight. The point is they tried, and those ADs and those football coaches on that college football playoff committee Know what it means to schedule up and know what it means to schedule down. And if any of the other six, other any of the other seven finalists end up making it, it's either going to be undefeated 13-0 Power 5 conference champions, and there is no debate, Clemson, LSU, and Ohio State, perhaps. The only one that I see at risk at all is LSU against Georgia. Buckeyes are going to beat Wisconsin again, and Clemson's going to beat UVA. LSU, Georgia, to me, is a, a pretty close matchup. After the obvious three, again, assuming they win here in championship week, you got these one-loss resumes. Oklahoma, Georgia, and Utah at least tried harder than Baylor did to upgrade their schedule. That's not a conspiracy theory. That's football coaches and ADs who know how this stuff works saying, if you want to be considered seriously for one of these precious four spots— and you schedule down, you better go 13-0 and 0 so that we don't have any discretion. Because if you're one of these one-loss resumes and there's another one-loss Power 5 champion out there, maybe 12-1 Utah, Baylor, you ain't getting the benefit of the doubt. Go ahead and beat Oklahoma just to stay in the conversation. I think the Sooners winning and Utah winning would 
be the ultimate challenge, one of the trickier decisions for the college football playoff committee because they'd both be 12-1 conference champions. The Utes have crushed people more, but Oklahoma has more quality wins. So which wins out? I don't know. But that's, that's the one, that would maybe be the trickiest decision for the fourth and final slot in the college football playoff in the six years that we have had this format. 1-800-849-2761. We'll get to Chris and Zebulon because he wants to talk ACC Big Ten Challenge. The Wolfpack and the Blue Devils posted big wins and have a lot to celebrate. The Tar Heels and the Deacons were truly embarrassed, in Carolina's case, on its home court last night by Ohio State. In the Deeks' case, at a pretty good Penn State team. More on those basketball matchups and results with more of your phone calls nfl college football great guests later jim zoki of the carolina panthers radio crew eric mclean of the acc network on more college football you can join us at 1-800-849-2761 on the david glenn show Megan Rapino is joining us on the David Glenn Show. Not everybody wants to sort of uh, back up Colin Kaepernick. Why are things like that important to you? I think it's all of our responsibility to try to make our country and our society and ultimately the world um, a place that is equal for everyone. This is the David Glenn Show. There's not a lot to say. I've had my butt beat before and it'll be beat again and I'll live to face another day, but... Uh, their team was better than our team. Their coach was a lot better than our coach. And uh, head basketball coach at North Carolina did a sorry-ass job tonight. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Little Roy Williams for you. Ohio State 74, UNC 49. Chris and Zebulon's going to be next because the Wolfpack had an outstanding win last night. It's best of the season for Kevin Keats. Jericho Helms was brilliant as NC State beat Wisconsin 69-54. Duke and State, a lot to celebrate. UNC and Wake Forest, both embarrassed as the Big Ten beat the ACC 8-6 in the uh, final scoreboard in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, an annual event dating back a couple of decades or more. As we go to Chris and Zebulon, one quick note on the Tar Heels. They fall to 6-2. and two. The Buckeyes are a good team. They improved to 8-0. And no, the Tar Heels will never know what might have happened had freshman center Armando Baycott not been injured early in that game. The Tar Heels have, and I know this sounds strange given their parade of Prep Hall Americans in Chapel Hill over the years, they simply don't have as much talent as they usually do. Now, I know that more than 300 teams in America are going to see freshman point guard Cole Anthony and veteran big man Garrison Brooks and even freshman center Armando Baycott, assumedly when he recovers from what looked like a pretty badly sprained ankle. I know more than 300 coaches will say, DG, man, what are you talking about, a talent shortage? I mean, really? Cole Anthony and Garrison Brooks and Armando Baycott? What I mean is, by UNC basketball standards, and I've been covering it since 1987, you will not find a lot of examples where you're not sure if there are three NBA future NBA players on the roster. And I mean, I'm go back, I'll go back to, you know, the Dean Smith years in the 60s and 70s. Try to find Carolina teams where you're not sure there are three future NBA players on the roster. Cole Anthony is one. Armando Baycott will be one. Are you sure anyone else on that roster will end up sticking on an NBA roster someday? Are you sure of that? Now, there have been examples where Roy Williams, for two years ago, Roy Williams' only really future NBA guys were Cam Johnson, and as it turned out, Theo Pinson is still in the NBA. Not everybody thought he'd make it. But two years ago, 
the roster only included two future NBA guys in Cam Johnson and Theo Pinson. But the veteran collegiate stars like a Luke May and a Joel Berry and another quality guy like Kenny Williams, they did not turn out to be NBA dudes, but by college basketball standards, you would want them on your team, especially as upperclassmen. Carolina doesn't even really have those type guys in support of Cole Anthony and Garrison Brooks and Armando Baycott. So that year, by the way, Roy Williams finished third in the ACC, uh, lost 11 games, you know, got bounced in the round of 32. That's not, you know, Roy's usually winning a regular season title and sometimes the ACC championship and usually Sweet 16 and beyond. Well, the year he only had two future NBA players was the year that those things happened just two years ago. And I think he's in a similar predicament this time. Not that they can't be a good team. Do I think they're a top 25 team? Yes. So I think they're really one of the 10 best teams in the nation. For UVA and UNC, the answer is no. Chris and Zebulon, you're next on the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey there, DG. First time, first time caller, long time listener. Good to have you with us. Let's talk Wolfpack. Got to say this much, man. This program is changing in front of our eyes. I woke up this morning and I howled like a wolf. I went, oh, all right. Man, we are looking for real. The recruits, they're coming in. Keith, he's a winner. You can't say enough about the guy. The coaches down the road in them Carolina Blue schools and the Duke Blue schools, the coaches are getting old. Keith, he's young. People want to play for him. I think this could be the team. It's starting to feel like a surviving advance type of thing. We could go all the way. I really believe it. You see us last night? Man, we look good. By the way, for those who don't know, Kevin Keats just signed a really good recruiting class. Now, obviously, those guys are not helping this year's team. But I see an eight-man rotation that will end up being one of the better offensive teams in the ACC. That's this year, without those future recruits. The, the fork in the road for the Wolfpack will be how much better they can get defensively. They're already really good offensively with that scoring diversity we mentioned. Defensively, they have a little ways to go. We're back after this. Coach Lou Holtz is joining us. What can you tell us about those four seasons in Raleigh? Everybody from North Carolina calling us Moo U and Agriculture U. And I remember walking in the press conference saying, I want everybody in the state to understand agriculture is better than no culture. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. Jim Zoki, Carolina Panthers radio analyst, up next on all things NFL. Week 14, Panthers at Atlanta. Ron Rivera out. Who's next for David Tepper? Jim Zoki joins next on the David Glenn Show. I don't want those damn Dukies rooting for us. They've hated all year long. Let them go right on hate. If the situation were reversed, I would hope they would lose by 100. You're in fantasy land if you ever think NC State's going to make it back to the national championship game. So just forget that right now. Go to hell, Carolina. Go to hell. Keeping the peace in NC on the David Glenn Show.